0: Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston.
1: First of all, thank you. Thank you for spreading the word about this series. I can't tell you how excited my producer and I get when we learn that women around the world are listening in big cities and in tiny towns. And I pray for these stories. Don't laugh, but I do. I open my arms and I say, send me the stories, and they come to me, like today's story, which started in Tehran. Mojan Anvari Brumby is the daughter of a four-time world champion Greco-Roman wrestler who represented Iran in the 1968 and the 1972 Olympics. Her childhood was peaceful, and her family was well-respected by the Shah of Iran. And then the Islamic Revolution happened, and Mojan's life was forever changed. Her father was arrested, her parents' property was confiscated. Her success story is living proof that when adversity strikes, you find out how strong you really are. In the United States since 2001, she is now the founder of Blue Monarch, a beautiful skincare line of all natural, traditional Persian remedies. Passed down to her from generations of women in her family. What a story. Mojen, welcome to the story behind her success. Hi,
2: Candy. Thank you so much you for having so me. You are so beautiful.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thank Let's get you. the cameras rolling. <laughs> Look at that gorgeous hair. And of course, Thank your you. skin is just translucent. And we're going to talk a lot about that. But first, we have to go to what we call Candio's lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions. And I just need whatever you think of as the answer. Nice, short answers. And this lets people know a little bit about you. You ready? Yes. Name a sport you are really good at. Oh, (laughs) that's a a good question. (laughs) Greco-Roman wrestling? No, absolutely not. No, swimming. Oh, good. You and me both. Okay. Right or left-handed? Right-handed. What is your greatest fear? Greatest fear? Not being able to move and do things. When and where are you most happiest? With my family, when everybody's together. Like a big family dinner? Yes. There's a quick response and it gives us a little bit about your personality. So let's dive into the interview. Take me back to your childhood in Iran. Can you do me a favor and paint a picture of the country you remember from your childhood?
2: Beautiful country. People were nice. People were hospitable, kind. My childhood was awesome. I was lucky. All summers we spend in orchards. Grandparents on both sides, they owned
1: orchards. What My, did they grow in the orchard?
2: All sorts of fruits. So I got to taste every fruit off ah. the tree, which tastes totally different than what you buy at the store. Climbing trees, falling off of them, <laughs> you know, horseback riding. <laughs> it was beautiful. I got to experience things. No one no one would say, Don't do this, don't do that. It was just be careful, don't hurt yourself, which most of the time I did. It, <laughs> it was, sounds like you were a tomboy. I was. I was. And I always, every time I saw a tree, I imagined what would the view look like from the top. And so I cried to climb it.
1: <laughs> you must have been very proud of your father. I'm going to yes. guess he was a bit of a national hero.
2: He was. He was. Everybody knew who we were. And wherever we went, we were respected. People loved him because of what he did. He was the reason. The flag was Recognized in the world in Olympics. It Sounds was, like he was a real trailblazer,
1: huh? He was. <laughs> a four time champion, world champion, and yeah. then he goes to two Olympic Games. Yes. What did he tell you about the Olympic Games and, of course, the 72 Olympics in Munich? That was yes. a very violent experience for the Olympians.
2: That was a t- terrible one. He was like, he said, You can't imagine anything like that. And he, he always said, I can't understand why people can't just live in peace. Just respect each other's beliefs. Just live in peace. It was terrifying to him. He talked about it a lot. That was the reason he was saying that you've got to respect other people. You've got to have love for other people. And don't try to
1: change anybody. Just be good. Powerful lessons for a child to hear. Give me a little history of your family in Iran. You had ancestral land property. Yes. You've said that it was orchards. How yes. long had they been in your family's lives?
2: Generations and generations. There were trees in those properties that if, with my cousins, we couldn't even hold them. We, like few of us would hold a uh, circle around and hug the tree. because <laughs> They were that old. Yeah, land was a big deal to my grandparents, always.
1: I have read that whenever you got hurt climbing one of those trees, your grandmother had a special remedy for you. (laughs) Tell me all about that.
2: She did. She always had a remedy for something, either my grandma or my aunt, depending on what side of the uh, family I was in at that time. And she always said, try this. If it didn't work, then go to the doctor. That was her
1: thing. And she would just make these remedies in the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah, everything.
2: She's got herbs, oils, and she would make some. Most of the time, there was an egg in something.
1: Despite the losses that your family experienced in the Islamic Revolution, you love your country. I'm sure that you do. I do. Tell me what it was like, though, for your family from your point of view when the Islamic Revolution happened.
2: I remember I was a little kid, but I do remember hearing the, the gunshot and the sound and the chaos and all that. It was it was scary not knowing what's going to happen to our dad. The sad thing is my dad wasn't a politician or nothing. He was an athlete. He was respected by everybody, and Shaw respected him because he was an athlete, nothing else. Because my dad had pictures with Shaw, they wanted to kill him. They took a lot of our properties from both sides. It was a sad time.
1: How do you stay strong in a situation like that? What did you learn from watching your parents go through that? Scary.
2: It was. And I still to this day, I do have that trauma with me. There is no certainty to anything. Anything can change overnight like that. It's scary to have that feeling in the back of your head all the time. Despite these losses, your parents insisted that you go off to school. Yes, it was a big deal. My dad always said, there is no difference between you and your brother. Whatever he can do, you can do. Do not give me the excuse that you're a girl. He didn't like that. So it was awesome growing up like that. and, and
1: Very empowering. Being,
2: yes, being encouraged. And he didn't like us being shy. He said, every time you're spoken to, you speak. Don't be shy. Come say hi to everybody and stand up for yourself.
1: If you're being bullied, don't come complain to me. Stand up for yourself. <laughs> you go off to law school. In Tehran. And you intern in the Islamic Family Court. And what you saw there changed your life.
2: Yes. Tell me about it. It was painful when I learned that the mother in Islamic law has absolutely no right to her kids. Absolutely no right. She's nothing. These mothers trying to keep their kids, trying to make a good life for their kids. Like, let's say if the husband was a drug addict, she couldn't do anything. She couldn't even take her kids. If she wanted to get divorced, not being beaten up by a junkie and taking everything away from her. It was sad. It was like a big hit to my head that where am I living? What is this? As a woman, Islamic law has no respect. You don't exist. You're the second gender. Growing up, before the revolution, women had key roles in everything. Women had rights in everything. And then the Islamic revolution came. As a girl, you inherit half of what your brother inherits from your parents because you're half. If you're asked to give testimony, you have to ask another woman to come to testify. So it would count as one testimony compared to a man. Learning all these and seeing that literally i could do nothing for these women to help them because you were handcuffed by the islamic
1: law that was it take it or leave it so what did you do left did you have a conversation with your parents or did they say you know what just go don't make a big fuss about how did it all happen how did you because i know you got in a little bit of trouble for speaking out can we talk about that for a second
0: Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of Tech Help Boston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com.
2: I did at the school and out on the street. Um, I got arrested a couple of times for doing what? For complaining, for protesting, defending a woman, she was being abused. And um, I get emotional even thinking about being in those situations. I I don't wish it on anybody. Were you scared? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was scared. Were you thrown in jail? Yes. And I didn't know what's going to happen to me. That's the thing, because, again, Islamic law allows a cop or a prosecutor or whomever to use rape to get confession. So it's allowed, it's by law allowed to rape a female prisoner to get confession out of her. So thank God that didn't happen to me. But imagine how
1: scared I was. Sitting there thinking this could happen at any minute. Yes. So you decide that you're going to leave your country. Yes. Your parents suggest that that's probably a good idea for you to do that.
2: My mom said, you can't bring the spring with one flower. So <laughs> spring never comes with just you trying to make a difference. And my dad, before, you know, at the time that revolution happened, we had cousins that got arrested and put in jail. Actually, one cousin, she's still there. She was 14 years old when she was arrested and put in jail, and she was in prison until she was 20 years old. For protesting, she went with her older sister on the street and they got her. So my dad always warned us, don't get stuck with these people because then you're going to be thrown in a black hole and no one can do anything about it. I was lucky because my dad, there were still people who respected and loved my dad, that they were still in the law enforcement and when my dad went and said, my daughter is in trouble and they did a favor for him. I
1: was lucky. A lot of people were not. You were one of the lucky ones. I was. You got a six-month visa. Yes. You got on an airplane, and you landed in Los Angeles, California. Yes. Close your eyes. Take me back to when that plane landed and you were here in this country.
2: I was so happy that I cried when I landed here. And still to this day, every morning, I'm grateful that I'm here. And my mom, when I called her back to say, Mom, I, I landed, I'm fine, she said, What was the first thing that you noticed? Said, Mom, I can laugh out loud and no one is gonna judge me for it or question or anything. People just get happy that I'm happy. And that was that was the first thing. It was a big deal. I could wear whatever color I wanted because after Islamic Revolution, we were just black or brown. Did Didn't you feel in free world? in the truest I, sense of the world? Free, I I loved being there, and people were so nice. There were so many people that helped me when I got there, and with my terrible English, you know, not knowing anybody.
1: So you go through customs, and you're yes. all by yourself. How old are you?
2: I was 23.
1: 23 years yeah. old, walking through customs. And I've been to LAX a million times. Oh, gosh. It's a yeah. zoo, right? You, you poor thing. <laughs> you must have just looked like a, a lost puppy. Yes. And then you get out of there and there's the world. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. Here's Los Angeles, California. Yeah. What happened next? I met people. I asked them for
2: guidance. I hired an attorney,
1: <laughs> the first thing, basically,
2: to make sure I can stay. And started So you paperwork. wanted asylum here? Yes. My case was accepted right away. The gentleman who interviewed me, he looked at the picture on my Iranian passport, which was with the scarf and everything. I had my makeup on, I had my hair done and I was like presentable and everything. He looked at me and said, "You're too pretty to go look like that again." <laughs> Boy, that really
1: puts it together, doesn't it? It was funny, yes. And
2: the interview took a long time. He asked all sorts of questions, and he was familiar with the whole—he knew Tehran street by street. It was interesting. He was very knowledgeable of the culture. And,
1: and he whole, helped you. He helped, yes. You know, it was interesting because you landed in Los Angeles just five months before nine eleven. Yes. What was your reaction to the attacks on that day? I was heartbroken. And did you experience prejudice by fearful Americans who misunderstood you? Did you ever experience anything like that? No.
2: Actually, it was interesting that at that time, people were asking me if I was okay. No, I did not experience any prejudice or rudeness or being treated badly at all. I've heard some people have been,
1: but they were concerned if I'm okay. I was sad. I was heartbroken. When you first got to this country by yourself, it was hard to go to sleep every night. You cried. Tell me that story.
2: It was hard. I cried every single night myself to sleep and thinking, you know, I had nobody. I had a tough way of doing things and but I always remembered the story my aunt told me when I was a kid that the king goes to conquer another city, and they were going on ships. Before they get to the shore, the soldiers tell the king that there are a lot of soldiers on the shore. Are you sure you want us to go in? He said, yes, we're going in. They get their boats to the shore, and they get off, and the king orders them to burn all the boats, all the ships. And then how are we going to go back? He said, no one is going back. Burn the boats so the soldiers know there is no way back. They just got to fight, go forward. So I remembered that to myself every night. And I said, I burned the boats. I burned the boats. I'm not going back. So that was it.
1: I was told that you learned how to speak English by listening to talk radio. Is this true? Yes. (laughs) So would you drive along in the car and then just say whatever the man on the radio said or the woman on the radio said? Tell me how this worked.
2: A friend at the time told me, look, you are here in this country. You want to learn the language. You want to learn the culture. Or you just want to go back to the Persian community, shop at the Persian store. And I said, no, I want to learn the culture. I loved it. When I was a kid, I watched the Tom Sawyer cartoon or... lucky luke and all that i just wanted to come here learn the culture see the mississippi river and all that so, so there you are listening to the radio Yeah, it said listen to the radio and little by little you understand so i did and after a while i started understanding what they were talking about
1: so you got your start at an insurance uh, company you were filing papers you were literally yes. a clerk in the office yes but you rose to become the office administrator you were yes. running the place and then you were hired away by Citigroup to lead their home equity division. Yes. How did all this feel for you? Awesome. It was This is the opportunity land. You work hard. You get where
2: you want to go. And I did. I worked hard. I have to say there were a lot of people that helped me along the way, but I tried to help others to pay forward in their memory because they helped me. At that first job that I had, there was a lady. Her name was Maria Bonilla. She was so sweet. I would ask what was on the papers that I was filing. She would explain everything to me. And it was a great help. Every day I learned more and more about, you know, the insurance, the finance. I'm grateful to all those nice people that helped me.
1: At some point, you decided that you wanted to tap into your roots and start a skincare line. And it's taken you 20 years to do this. Tell us all about it. The company is called Blue Monarch. Where did the name come from?
2: I'm not sure if you've ever been to Monterey, California. Every November, monarch butterflies, they travel from Mexico and they come to Monterey. All these eucalyptus trees are covered with butterflies. It's just beautiful. They're the regular monarch ones, but I love blue, so I picked a blue monarch. To me, it was fascinating that they are so delicate, so tiny and beautiful, but they're tough enough to travel so far away. It's like women, we are delicate, we are beautiful, but we are tough, we get things done, we get places.
1: And so there's the name, Blue Monarch. Boy, I love that. (laughs) And you've brought some products for us today as well. Tell me what sets you apart from the rest.
2: There are touches of the old Persian remedies in our products. Like, I use herbs that I have to still bring the herb from there to use the extract for our product. I test everything on myself. Every single product
1: that we have is tested on me. And it's all organic.
2: <laughs> yes. All and all no organic. synthetic
1: materials of any Correct. kind. And no animals hurt. No. No, we do not test
2: an animal, as I said. I'm, it's just you. Yes. <laughs> it gets tested on me. I give it it's to It's Mojan
1: tested. Him. Yes.
2: And uh, we are Leaping Bunny certified. As you know, they check every year. They check our products. And we don't use any unnecessary ingredients in our product. There's no fragrance. There's no coloring. Everything you smell is the smell of the extract or the flowers or the herbs that we use in our products. We have 30 women that they are self evaluated to test our products. So we have good results. We make sure that the product you get is wholesome and it's going to do the things you expect it to do. Tell us about some
1: of your products. What are your biggest sellers?
2: Actually, our cleanser, official cleanser, is very gentle. We sell a lot of that. We have our Divine Time body oil and our serum. These are the three that we sell a lot.
1: What is your philosophy about skincare and self care?
2: A lot of women take good measures on what they eat, they exercise, but they fail, as we were, on our skincare product. If you're looking to have a healthy lifestyle, you have to look at all corners of the healthy lifestyle, not just a few. So, skincare most of the time is being looked over, and people just don't pay too much attention to it. But it should be because your skin absorbs 60% of what you put on it and it gets into your bloodstream within 26 seconds. Imagine whatever you put on your skin, it's going to end up in your internal organs. And how
1: important is your health? Wow, I never knew that. Made in the USA, why does that matter so much to you? As a kid, everything that came
2: from the U.S. was good stuff. I love the United States. It's, I'll give my life for this country. The freedom I have, the peaceful life, the beautiful life I have, it's for this country. And I want to create the jobs here. I want to give back to the community here, which I am. I'm supporting nonprofit organizations. I mentor as much as I can. I want everything to be made here. So when our product says product of United States, it is completely from scratch made here. Even the boxes, everything you can imagine is made here.
1: The products are available also online at yes. bluemonarch.com. And you've just opened up your first store just outside of Boston. What did that feel like to open the door and have people come into this beautiful store?
2: Like a dream. The first day that we opened, I was like, oh my God, am I, am I dreaming or this is for real? The longer we're open, and people come back, and they tell me their experience with the product is just so rewarding. It makes my heart happy. Again, it's just knowing that we are making a
1: difference and people actually benefiting from our product. This is also a story, Mojan, about perseverance. What is your message to a woman who is listening to our program somewhere in the world, and she has a dream? And she wants to break free. She wants to soar. She wants to laugh. She wants to wear what she wants to wear. What do you say to her?
2: There is nothing stopping you for being who you are. No one says it's easy, but you want easy or you want what you want. You want to make your dream happen. So go for it. Don't ever think it's gone. My time is gone. Make it happen. When the time comes and you're an old, old lady sitting there, you look back, you say, I did what I could,
1: not what I was allowed to do. There's so much controversy right now about immigration. You got your six-month visa, and then you were granted asylum, and you've said here on this program, I love this country. Tell me what your swearing-in day was like.
2: Oh, I cried the whole time it was was a huge space, and there were people from all over the world when you enter, they have pictures on the stage of the mountains of the United States all of the land of everything and you you just the music is playing and the flag and all these people coming in first of all, they said I was supposed to give up my green card to enter the room and I'm like, I didn't want to give that. <laughs> I went in, and I was emotional the whole time. And they said, when we say the country that you come from, stand up, put your hand on your heart. And that was just, I was sobbing. I was so, like, happy that this is how I, I felt like I was born again. I was like, this is that. I made it. Do you miss Siran? I miss my cousins. I miss the orchards. I miss the mountains be honest with you, I don't miss being there because it was terrible, and I know it's worse now. Is your land gone now? Um, Some still there, but they took a lot, unfortunately. It is what it is. You get
1: up and make it happen again. What's the best advice you have ever received, and can you pass it along to someone listening today?
2: If you want to learn and do, no one can stop you. If you don't, no one can make you. It's all in you. God is in you. Your power is in you. You use it or not. It's your choice. Do not ever blame
1: anything or anybody for you not succeeding. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Like a running
2: water. When hits a boulder, it might get stopped for a little bit, but then it will find a way around it. So there is always a way.
1: That young woman, sitting on the airplane, looking out the window at Los Angeles Airport back in 2001, she had no idea how this story was going to end up. What would you say to her now?
2: I was (laughs) hard-headed. And I'm amazed. I would say, congratulations, you did it, you hard-headed girl.
1: (laughs) People measure success in different ways in different chapters of their lives. You're still a very young woman you. and so beautiful and such a really lovely way about you. Thank you. What does success mean to you right now? To me, success is having the
2: ability to make a difference. And I do have that ability now. I do feel I am very successful. I'm happy with everything I've done. Again, there are things in our lives that I wish I'd done it a different way. But again, as a result of all those, I am where I am. I get to help people. I get to make a difference in my community, in the lives of a lot of people.
1: That's success to me. I want to say thank you so much, yes. Mojan Anvari Brumby. Thank you so much for being this week's guest thank on so The Story much. Behind Her Success. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, candyoterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?